Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my mom and co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Well, we've got your favorite topic on today, Heidi. We do. We are going to talk about finding hope after the death of a sibling. And, you know, sibling loss is my sweet spot, and I'm really looking forward to the show. And we're talking to sisters today, which is also very exciting because there's more than one person on. Mm-hmm. So do you want to introduce them, Heidi? Sure, I'd love to. Okay. So our guests today are Jessica Church and Shane McCoyne. And as I said, they're sisters. Jessica and Shane are sisters, and they're both working moms. Jessica is a nurse practitioner in pediatric cardiology, and Shane is an environmental attorney. They come from a large, close-knit Irish-American family, and they experienced the most stressful time of their lives when they lost their oldest sister, Colleen, at just 39 years old. And, Mom, they have a wonderful website and blog and resource page, and I love the name of it. It's called losingapuzzlepiece.com. Welcome to the show, Jessica and Shane. Thank you for having us. Yes, Hello. Thank you so much. Now, Jessica, you're from where? Um, I live in Denver. Denver. And how about you, Shane? I currently live in Kansas City. Wow. Oh, That's what I love about in the Internet. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And so you both came from a large family. You, you're from a large family. And how many siblings did you do you have? Um, we have five. Um and it's all girls, so that's what is wow. kind of unique about our family. Um, all sisters, which we feel very lucky to have. And uh, I, Jessica, this is Jessica, I'm number two, mm. um, and Shane is number three. And Colleen, and Colleen is was number our one. oldest sister. Yep. Okay. Now, where, where was your sister that died? The oldest. Um, she was in Michigan. We're all and from what's her Michigan. Name? Um, Colleen. Colleen. Yes. And. You you said she died of cancer, right? Yes, she did. And how long did she have cancer? Um, Shane, do you remember? Several years or Sure, yeah. She was, was first diagnosed around two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Um and so um she was very young at that time. She was in her mid twenties wow. and initially treated and had a pretty major surgery and um but but it was successful mm-hmm. and she had other various treatments um over time. And but largely, you know, very successful and was able to manage it for, um, I don't know, about twelve or thirteen years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it sort of came back more recently before right. she passed away. And I think that was hard for us too because we always felt like we would just be on top of it. You know, like we just felt like she would keep getting treatment and it would be under control. And so that, you know, the last several months were sort of a shock to us when we figured out there was no more treatment that they could offer her that was difficult to sort of, there's not even a word for it, but um, that was hard. Well, you're making such a good point, and this is this is Jessica, right? Yes. You're making such a good point because, you know, people don't realize that even when you have someone that is terminally ill, you still hold on to hope. My mom right. and I talk to tons of people, and they say, look, you hold on to hope pretty much toward to you know to almost the very end that, that there's going to be a cure that that something's going to happen that there's going to be a miracle and that they are they are not really going to die right right exactly especially when she was only 39 years old you, you don't expect to, to lose a sibling at 39 years old when she's 39 right. years old exactly and you now, or, or, or you don't or if you ever your let your mind involved in the in the oh, uh, blog 
your um, website? Is really everybody just, involved? Um, it's just Shane and I right now, and, um, you know, we're open to having them help too, but they're they're both in pretty intensive um, graduate programs, and mm-hmm. so I think, too, they, they are Where are they located? And, Where, where's your family from? Um, we're you from Michigan. Dad, are they still around? Yeah. So we're from Michigan, and that's where the two uh, younger sisters are. Um, oh, and our okay. Sister so, oh, so you guys are the too. ones that are kind of not yes. around, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've <laughs> all kind of been in different parts of the country. That's right. what's funny. But, um, yeah, the two younger ones are near home now, and um, Colleen was there. And Jessica and Shane, how old were you both when Colleen died? Um, so she actually just died a little over a year ago. So mm-hmm. I was 36. No, 37. Okay. So Jessica was 37. You were 37. And Shane, how old were you? 33. 33. And like you said, Colleen was living in Michigan near your parents, right? Mm-hmm. But you right. two were in a different state. That's I, I, right. The reason I'm clarifying this is because in my own situation, my brother was 17 when he died. And I he was living in New York where we grew up. And I was living in Utah, attending the University of Utah. I was 20. And I don't know if this has been your experience, but I've talked a lot about it over the years. I felt like my loss was minimized further because I was living in a different state. I don't know if you felt that way or if you have not had that experience, but I I, I felt that, that my sister that was living with my brother at the time, she was only 14, I felt that society was more aware of her loss I feel like sibling loss is unacknowledged and minimized anyway, but I feel right. like there's another layer for siblings that weren't living together. And I don't know if that was personally your experience, but that's what I've heard from other siblings that I've talked to as well. So I didn't know how you mm-hmm. felt about that. I think we would definitely agree that it's generally discounted in mm-hmm. general. Um, mm-hmm. but, and then I think once you're living away from home and you have you know, your own family and your own career, people assume you're kind of you're busy and somehow you've become detached or something right. from your sibling. Right. Which obviously just isn't the case. Mm-hmm. And then I right. think for both of us, it was hard to, to, to be caregivers and want to be very involved, but have that distance. Right. And did right. you, did you feel like you, did you, both of you feel like you got enough support from just in general from society? No, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and I think that's what motivated us to do this website. But I think, yeah, and I think in many ways leading up to even before she died, just like Shane said, trying to be caring for Colleen but not always being there, it was very difficult. And um, we would try to explain our situation with people not living near her and being from far away and explaining that to her medical team, and it just wasn't ever um, – I don't think they understood us. And mm-hmm. then I think after she died, we felt, you know, that the focus wasn't on us. I think it's on the parents and the mm-hmm. children, the spouses. And it's not that they shouldn't get that attention. Of course they should. Um, but I think that we need it too. Right. And so so Colleen was married? Um, yes. And she had children? Yes. She had one child. Yep. And you're making a really good point because I worked with 9-11 families for 10 years after the World Trade Center um, attack, and they were firefighter families. And what we found was that there is a hierarchy of grief, and if widows – I mean, the the children 
and the widows got a lot more attention than the siblings. I mean, the parents also did. The siblings were at the bottom of the heap. It was it was definitely a hierarchy, like you're saying. And right. The siblings right. were at the bottom. As, and they were pretty angry at times, weren't they, Heidi? They were very angry because there were no services for five years for them. There were no mental health services. There were no groups. There was no resources. All the resources went to the bereaved widows, the bereaved children, and the bereaved parents. And it was in that order. And yeah. the siblings kind of got lost in the shuffle, and people were like, they didn't understand. I mean, this is such a significant loss, as, as you both know, when you lose your sibling. Because we, we walk through life with them. We, we expect to grow old with them. We expect to raise our kids with them. We expect to, you know, right. kind of leave this world around the same time. Exactly. Right. And, yeah, we've talked a lot about that, too. Or maybe we've always wondered or tried to justify it like maybe people aren't close with their families or their siblings and they just don't get us I mean but I guess we don't have a great explanation for it I mean for us it is significant and we we all talk to each other frequently I mean it's probably almost every day we get messages or a text or a call or a funny email from each other so to just have one of those people in your life that you're used to hearing from almost every day um not be there is, you know, a big loss. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, what if I know you, you started this website, and uh, what do you hope to accomplish with it? And and mm -hmm. uh, you know, what are you doing with it? And what brings you? Why did you do it? And and is it helping with your uh, grief experience? Mm -hmm. Well, we Same wanted to increase awareness and support for people in grief and in caregiving roles. Um, mm -hmm. If we can just Is this Jessica? Make it. Okay. This is Shane. Shane. Oh, Shane. Okay. Mm -hmm. the if we could, yeah, if we could just make, you know, one person feel less alone, I think that would be success. I think we felt isolated. Mm -hmm. um, and also I think it, it can help people's friends and families and employers help support them better too. Um, but I think our motivation just came from writing and sharing about how our feelings and experience after Colleen's death and just wanting to do something about it. Um, and we're inspired by Colleen. She was really accomplished. Mm -hmm. Oh, what did right. she do? Um, she did everything. <laughs> no, but she was a ophthalmologist um, who specialized in um, cornea, but she wow. also managed to be, you know, this amazing chef and always a great party planner and a super friend and just was always the best sister to us, too. I mean, we when we each had our um, children, she would come out and help us with them, and she was getting up in the middle of the night to feed them, and just, you know, mm -hmm. she was amazing. Um, and I think that she was amazing as a friend and a sister, but also was very accomplished in her professional life. And so I think, like Shane said, when um, she died and you're, like we've talked about finding hope, I think that we were just inspired um, because of her. Mm -hmm. And we think about all that she accomplished, and yet she had cancer, um, and she went on to do all of these amazing things. And so we feel like, well, we better step up and and do more. You know, so, she motivates us to do so more. That's what I was wondering. So given how incredible she was, and she sounds like she led a very full life and an amazing, was an amazing person in her short 39 years, what advice do you think she would give both of you about finding hope after loss at this point? 
I don't know. I wish we could know. <laughs> it sounds like she'd want to be. She'd be really proactive, right? And say, yeah. "Okay, you guys, you got to live your your best life." Like I have. I mean, it sounds like she was a great role model. I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a big part of our loss. Is she would have given us advice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so a good we right. that. Right. Um, but absolutely, she was proactive. Shane, you're making a good point. The, one of the major losses is here's your big sister, who was so fabulous that it giving you advice and leading the way, and now she's gone. Right. Right. And I I think that's uh, what's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to just say that's what's interesting in families too, right, the dynamics. Like Mm -hmm. our dynamic has changed, and she was our oldest sister who, like, organized us and orchestrated things and kept us on track for all, like, holiday things and special events coming up, and we it's just been hard too in that respect of – okay, well, she's not here to help us mm-hmm. keep on track. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, I was wondering a little bit, uh, because you are in the uh, nurse practitioner in, in the medical area, I know you're in pediatrics, yeah. but um, how did you feel? Did you feel like she got the right care? And, and were, uh, she uh, probably had, with being a, with the eyes she was, I don't know if she has a doctor yeah. degree or what, but I, you're in the medical profession. Did you and you, you and she talk on that level, and, and did you feel anything about her health care and frustration yeah. being so far yeah, away? Yeah, we, we did talk a lot about it. I think that's a hard question. I think we're still, at least I'm still figuring that out. I think in pediatrics we do things so differently. Our focus is on the family, and it's so different in the adult world. And so for me... I struggled with that because I didn't feel like it was the same. Um, I think that there's still more work to be done to help families and to focus on them, but also just to organize things at the end of your life. Um, I think the biggest frustration for us was um, she had this period before she was enrolled in hospice where she was just at home and um, she wasn't doing more treatment, but she was still taking a certain medication, a chemo oral medication, just to sort of buy herself time, and that didn't make her a um, candidate for hospice, and so we called it like the gray zone. We just, we felt like she was getting more sick and having more symptoms, and we were left to sort of like figure that out on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, having my background almost hurt me because it was frustrating. Mm-hmm. For me, mm-hmm. yeah, and I wondered with Shane, how uh, being an attorney. I know you're an environmental attorney, but you know you might have had some thoughts about her will or connection or what people were doing or, um, you right. know, what was going to happen. Yeah, I've always felt like a bit of a black sheep in our family because we have a lot of medical professionals. Mm-hmm. Colleen was a doctor, <laughs> was a nurse, and our parents are both in the medical field. Um, but so I could never really understand what was going on. She did ask me to help with some of the um, advanced directive planning and estate planning. And I was so grateful that I could do something to help. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I have to ask before we end the show, how are mom and dad? (laughs) Are mom and dad, you said? That's hard to answer for them, but um, what would you say, Jessica? Doing pretty well, I would say. Yeah, I think that they're doing, yeah, exactly as best as they can. And um, I don't think any of us have, have let us um, sort of have this grief take over our lives. I think that we're all still figuring out how to go on and continue. And if anything, I think it's brought us together as a family. I mean, we are 
very close, and we talk to our parents often and check on them, and they check on us. So, and now we can it, check you out on the blog, and so can everybody else. And right, what, yeah. What would you like to happen with this uh, with this site that you have? Uh, losing a puzzle piece. I knew thought of that name. It's a great name. Mm-hmm. Did you guys do puzzles when you were little? We did. We did. Yeah. <laughs> And so I, I think, think maybe it came from there, but we just felt when we were thinking about it actually was sort of a concept we talked about in Colleen's eulogy, and um, we talked about what siblings mean to each other, and we think we've shaped each other, and you fit together, you, we feel most comfortable with each other. Mm-hmm. I love that name, and that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Thank you. for those out there listening, um, is there just one piece of, if there was one thing you would say to them about how they would find hope again, what would, what would it be? Because I know there's, there's siblings out there that don't know how they're going to get through this at this point. Any advice? Right. Um, yes. I think that you just figure out a way to go on. I think for us it was writing. Um, and maybe you find something like that that helps you channel your energy towards that. And I think our advice, too, is that you're not alone and that we've gone through this. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very difficult, but you'll find a way to keep going. Right. And I think that perhaps the person you lost um, did something amazing or would have if they were still here. And if you can find some inspiration from them to carry on, that's right. helpful. And we used humor a lot. We That's right. would just, I don't know, maybe it's inappropriate at times, but we would just find ways to laugh at things. Mm-hmm. If people would ask us silly questions or make comments that we didn't really want to hear, like one of our favorites was like we entered the world, real world again, and people were like, oh, so like were you close with your sister? And we just started laughing at that. Like, what is that question? Right. It's odd. <laughs> So, it's it's yeah it's it's a very odd question. It's like okay, we found what are they the humor trying, to help. What are they trying to ask? Are they trying to ask, does the death affect you? <laughs> right, right. Yes, it does, right. and it always it's will. A big deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is well. I'm really glad that you you started this losingapuzzlepiece.com. And for the siblings that are listening today, if if you are feeling alone and isolated, because often we do, because a lot of of people out there have not had a sibling death, and sometimes it's, you feel like no one's had it happen but you. Please go to losingapuzzlepiece.com or go to opentohope.com and watch our shows and listen to our radio shows and watch our cable shows. Or there's also a great Facebook page out there with the Compassionate Friends, and it's called Sounds of the Siblings, the Compassionate Friends, and it's a, a Facebook page for brief siblings. So Jessica and Shane, I want to thank you for what you're doing and uh, for the awareness you're building and for all the support that you're giving all the siblings. Thank you so much for being on. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Yeah, thank you for being on. It's, it's been great, and your site is beautiful. And thank you. Well, Heidi, I, you know, I just feel like, do you, do you remember the old movie, Cheaper by the Dozen? Yeah. You probably don't. I love, but, no, I do. I love that movie. Uh, and I'm just thinking, uh, in the old days, they would have written a Cheaper by the Dozen book. I think they ought to write a book. But anyway, the blog is there, and, and what a fantastic rich family. You could talk forever about, you know, I'm sure they've got fabulous stories about growing up in this super, uh, super achieving family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They've all done really incredible things with their lives, and, and Colleen sounds like she lived life to its absolute fullest. Mm-hmm. 
and really impa- impacted the whole family. Absolutely. Well, we hope that you'll tell your family, uh, friends about the show, and particularly if they've lost siblings, and have them go to the site. And we want to thank you for listening to the show today. And Heidi as, and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, lean, it, lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.